Hey, it's Carolyn from Homesteading Family. Before we jump in today's pantry chat, I'd like to invite you to join me for a free four-part video series where I'm going to take you step-by-step through making high-quality dairy products in your very own kitchen. Don't worry, there's no cow required. (laughs) If you'd like to join me for the training, jump on over to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash dairy. Hey you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week we're going to be talking about how to find great quality clothing for your homestead on a budget. All right, I love this subject. I like good clothes, but I like saving money too. Yes, definitely. (laughs) But as usual, before we get into the main topic, we're going to catch up with a little bit of chit-chat. If you want to go straight to the main topic, just uh, look down below yeah. and we'll have a timestamp for you. But um, how's it going? What is going on here? Ah, wow. Okay, so we are into our homeschooling year now. So that starts yep. to shape our weeks a lot. That starts meaning, you know, homesteading now is kind of getting put into those marginal side corners. Uh, unlike during the summer where that's kind of the, that's what we're doing a lot of, right? That's kind of the main thing of the day. You're not outside, um, are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, homesteading in the house, I don't know, in the kitchen. Uh, we still have to cook. We still have to feed everybody. Yeah, so it's, but it's, yeah, it's, it's It has to fit into the other part of yeah. the schedule. So I guess it's just right now for me, I'm just adjusting to that. We're doing um, a little bit. We have a huge amount of tomatoes that box ripened uh, already. So they're ripening really fast this year in the box. Um, usually we would put those green tomatoes off the vine into the box. I'd sort through them pretty much weekly and we would still be pulling out tomatoes that were ripening all the way into December. Um, this year, I don't think we're gonna barely get into November without all of our tomatoes going ripe which I found interesting. I'm wondering if that's because a lot of them were starting to yellow. A lot of times mm-hmm. it, they're green still yeah. coming in. They're still very green. Yeah. And, and so I'm, I'm guessing maybe that they have, because they were starting to turn, we got yeah. a little further with our season this year with the hoop house and planting earlier. Mm-hmm. So maybe because they've started to turn, they're just, that's causing them to go quicker. So it's kind of like having another really big harvest. I have a lot of tomatoes that I'm still processing. And you know what I'm loving? I'm really, really liking this. I bet this. it's that back there. Yeah, that's, you can't freeze see dryer. it from there, but it's the freeze dryer. You can just chop the tomatoes and stick them on there. And then you can make just about anything you want out of them. And it's really exciting. You can either keep them diced and rehydrate them as raw, which they don't go back to the same texture. Let's just be real clear. They're not never gonna go back to the same texture as a raw, fresh tomato. But they still have the flavor. Oh, the flavor is, yeah, way better than canned tomatoes. So the texture's a little different, but you could still throw them into a salad if you wanted to spice up a salad. But then you can also, like, you know, rehydrate them and cook them in diced form, or you can powder them and make a sauce, or even, you know, if you rehydrate them with less liquid, you could make a paste. So I'm kind of really liking this. It's a very, just fill the trays and then your hands off. You don't have to peel them or anything like you do with canning. So this canning tomatoes may right now have just become a thing of the past in the house. Wow. That would be 
phenomenal because that's a big job every year. You know, the tomato harvest sure. is a big job. So the, the freeze dryer has a lot of opportunity. It saves yeah. a lot of time in places. It does, and um, it is retaining the nutrient density of the food better. And the flavor. And the flavor. Yeah. So this is like a real big win. We, you know, until Harvest Right approached us, we just thought, oh man, that's, you know, it's too expensive. It's too much energy use. It's not worth it. And now that we've been working with this for eight, nine months, we're coming over to the other side of the fence. Oh, yeah. we're, we're, we're seeing this as essential. It's something to save for. It's a big ticket item. So, you know, it uh, doesn't fit into the budgeting conversation today super no. well. <laughs> but it is really, really something to consider because it is labor saving, yes. time saving. I don't think it's using any more energy than propane and canning or, or whatever your fuel is for canning. I mean, you'd have to get a real detailed energy audit, but yeah. we're, we're, we're using it a lot. And we're certainly not seeing any major jump in our electric bill. So um, there are a lot of advantages to it. Um, that's yes. just really, really cool. We're using it a lot. And right now it's kind of staying running all the time. The dehydrator's still running a lot too. So we're using lots of other methods. And we are still canning. Mm -hmm. We're just saving the canning for the things that the canning really benefits, I guess, at this point, which is nice to be able to decrease the canning and keep it for the things that really shine. Well, like meals, you can do um, meals with the freeze dryer, and yes. we're gonna be doing one of those soon uh, for you guys on video, but that's still more work um, even when you go to reconstitute it to get it onto the table, whereas a canned meal, and one of your big things is convenience meals, that right. you've got good quality, healthy food, to just heat up easily instead of Campbell's or whatever, or yeah. fast food. And so those canned meals still have a serious place on the shelf. Right. Because those are literally dump them, heat them up, and you've got good homestead canned meals. Yes. Yeah. Well, and that's really important for if you've got other people in your household, you've got kids, you've got, you know, maybe a husband, <laughs> you've got people who don't. Um, wanted to learn the skill of rehydrating the food or maybe they're not quite there yet for one reason or mm -hmm. another having those kinds of meals is really exciting the the canned meals because everyone knows how to open a can and dump it in a pot and heat it up yeah so yeah that's it's, really that's really easy. helpful on the homestead you've got a lot of days where you need that kind of meal yeah to to get things done right yep. Yeah, so let's see. The other things on my list, I'm getting ready for the canning challenge, which is coming up. Speaking of meals, canning meals, the, yeah, the canning we're getting challenge. ready for the meal canning challenge so, coming up. So I heard in the like 21 meals. So it's tw at least 21 jars. Of, at least 21 of food, jars. Okay. Which, you know, depending on your family size, it's probably a meal, a jar. So, but there are. It comes with over 15. I say 15, but I never stop at what I say. So you're always going to get more. It's, it's 16 <laughs> or 17 or 18. And I keep going, wait, we don't have this recipe. I love that recipe. We have to stick it in there. So, um, so it comes with a whole little recipe book and, uh, it, it's really exciting. It's really going to walk you through the steps of putting full meals on your shelf, on your pantry shelf in a really practical way like we're not going to spend five days in the kitchen canning to get a backup supply we're just going to work one day a week get one canner full on our shelves a week and um, watch that supply grow so i'm really excited to be sharing that awesome. with you guys that happens in the membership which is just about to open up so if you are not on our email list you're not gonna get the information about it. So you need to click the link below and get on the list to find out more about the membership and the canning challenge. Very exciting. Yeah, so anyways, 
And then we've got a little bit of traveling coming up. So, guys, next week there won't be a pantry yep, chat. Yep, taking Sorry. a week off. We are actually planning for homesteading family. Taking yep. a week off to plan next year. Yep. Uh, plan out what we're doing with homesteading family and hopefully even a little bit of what we're doing here at Riverbend on yeah. the homestead ourselves. Good. Yeah. So, so cool. what about you? What have you been up to? Wow, just outside getting ready for winter. Yeah. Um, we've got a chicken coop. We're moving the chicken coop into the barn and so that all of our animals are under one roof this winter and mm -hmm. just, again, making more efficiency to a system. And right now they're out on the chickshaw, out on the field, and so we've got to wrap that up. So we're just picking away at that. And uh, we had some areas with our terraces where we extended the terraces a little yes. bit more. I realized when we did it that I kind of missed a major opportunity on a, on a south-facing slope of that little area. And, and then we had some areas that didn't seed well. So getting those all covered, seeded, covered, put to bed for the winter so that we don't have open soil sitting all winter. And hopefully we'll get a good cover crop coming up in the yeah. spring when things thaw and got out hunting last night for the first day of the year. Yay! So starting to ease in a hunting season. So where's the elk? Moose? I heard him, he was there. Big buck. He was right on. on the other side of the trees. <laughs> but you know, I heard him talking to me, calling me, but you know, he, he didn't show. Yeah, it takes a while. It takes a while. Um, but hey, I saw, I saw saw a coyote and a little bit of wildlife. That fun. was fun. So yeah, just, just getting in the hunting season and okay. getting ready for winter here. Just finishing our preps up. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Cool. Well, let's jump into the question of the day. A right. question of the day so that we can get on the main topic. And hey, did you guys see the video on composting meat that came ah, out? Ah, yes. Last week. Okay. And so the question is on that. Chad Atwell on meat in your compost. We pressure cook chicken carcasses with a bunch of veggies for stock. That's a really good stock. Love you're doing that. Mm -hmm. Are those leftovers good for compost? I always thought it already spent all its nutrients. Well, yeah, certainly you have cooked out a bunch of those nutrients and that's a great use of that, but there's still value to it. I mean, otherwise you're gonna throw it in the trash can, send it to the landfill or bury it in a hole, which is ultimately composting it. But why not just add that to your compost and completely decompose it? A good compost pile will decompose the bones, no problem. In fact, we were finishing our compost pile and Tristan shot, he got an early deer. Mm -hmm. And Wait, we, with a tag, a legal early deer, that sounds like he's like no, out, no, yeah. outside of hunting no, no. season. He, yeah, he, he had, well, everybody's hunting season's different, but right. yeah, he had an extra tag and it extended his season. And so he got his, one of his deer early and um, we composted the remains of that, even the bones. And um, they, by the time we've just been getting in the, into the pile, put in the garden, bet gone. So that's like less than six weeks. Is yeah. that right? Am I oh, doing yeah. the math right? Yeah. yeah. And if you build a pile well, and if you guys saw the video I did on, on um, this was just putting all the chicken leftovers, the heads and guts and, and bones in there. And, um, you know, after two weeks, it was, it was um, breaking down pretty good. It wasn't gone, mm -hmm. but I was also very focused on um, keeping the smell out of it and showing you guys how to do that without having critters get into it. Right. So um, I had a lot of carbon in there to get it going. Mm -hmm. um, but I've seen guys do this and, and, and take a whole animal and in five days it's gone. Whoa. So you can do it very, five very well. Days. Yeah, like the first turning, four to five days, they let it get up to temperature and it's gone. And uh, we did that with Jeff Lawton in, okay. um, when I took my permaculture course with him. Uh -huh. We had butchered a sheep uh -huh. to, for the meal to eat and we composted it. Uh -huh. And it was literally gone. It was actually four days. 
Wow. It's gone. So this is completely safe, completely reasonable. You just have to build your pile, right? And yes, any and all food is good. Composted bones, all of that. That's got calcium. It's got all kinds of stuff still in it. And it's all valuable and it's less waste in the dump and and you're returning more to your own property and building soil. So absolutely is it, is Chad, it really you can compost it. Messed up that I started thinking about how to write a murder mystery on the homestead um, book as we're having this discussion. That's probably I thought not we've a been get, I thought we've been getting along well. <laughs> I just found my ticket out. <laughs> <laughs> you're scaring me. Uh, okay. All right. Wait, we had one more question. Huh? You missed my no, no. other question. Oh, 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 oh Yeah, gosh. sorry. There was a okay. second question of the month. All right, we're doing week. two this time. We are. Where's it at? He's it's down here at, at the me. bottom. Okay. Um, where'd it go? Number 10. Number 10. All righty. So, <laughs> Mary, I hope I get this right, Wisaki, Mary Wisaki, on your cheese will fail unless you do this. But this question doesn't have anything to do with cheese. Um, I have a Venus flytrap and I can't get it to eat. Oh dear. Um, can you please do a video on the care and feeding of them? Well, we had a so, Venus flytrap too. We have one. So she's asking this because in that video, I take the kids to the grocery store, right? And they have Venus flytraps. And mm -hmm. on the video, we buy a Venus flytrap. So, Mary, you are asking the wrong person how to take care of a Venus flytrap because look at our Venus flytrap. It's not Yikes. eating anything and it never will again. I'm sorry. <laughs> things in pots don't necessarily work out real well for me, especially carnivorous things. So, um, so I don't I know don't why know. I starved. We had a lot of flies this year. I'd, I suspect that starving was not its problem oh. i think it was being force-fed personally by got overfed. overzealous children don't feed it too much wow. didn't want <clears throat> to see their venus flytrap starve uh you know water helps too and to be honest i didn't touch this thing after i brought it home i let the kids take care of it so anyways and if all else <laughs> fails compost it <laughs> see dead bodies in the compost <laughs> All right. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay, so getting uh, to topic about mm -hmm. uh, budgeting and buying clothing, affordable clothing. Um, and we had a question. So this is coming off of one of your questions. I don't have the name. Somebody didn't give me the name. But here's the question that spurred on this topic. And it is, it's, it's a great and, and real subject. Um, please do a podcast on buying affordable Yet high quality clothes for kids that can be passed down, especially modest clothes for girls. Uh, we live in an area with limited thrift stores, etc., and it's a struggle with six kids to keep the costs down. Boy, do we understand that. Are there certain browns to look for, certain items to spend more on? <clears throat> and um, yeah, that is a great subject, and that is one that we all wrestle with, and especially in this life you chew up clothes more than maybe in the modern oh, suburban life. Uh, yeah. We definitely chew up a lot more clothes along with dishwashers and washing machines. I mean, clothes <laughs> washing machines. But um, so good subject. I, yeah. I, I think I'm just going to enter that with, 
you know, buying affordable yet high quality, that's that's hard to measure. And so we've got to sort out really where do we need high quality and, and we save up, we pay for the items that need to be high quality mm -hmm. and where do we go as low cost as we can, Right. which is a lot of places as well. But, you know, high quality has a cost with it if you want it to last, if you want it to get through the growth cycle of a child and be able to pass it down. Yeah. So we've kind of got to split that out. It doesn't mm -hmm. work very well together. To, I mean, there, there's probably some there somewhere, but clothes are expensive and good things are expensive. Well, and unfortunately right now, I don't know if you guys have noticed this, but even the more expensive clothing, the quality's dropping quickly. Oh. I've started noticing clothes that I've been, you know, like, oh, we're going to we're going to splurge and spend a little extra and get this high quality item or this more expensive item, and the quality is starting to get disappointing in that. So, uh, reading I was uh, trying to have a hard time finding my pair of boots. I've been wearing Justin boots for my everyday, mm -hmm. you know, boots for years, and they've held up very very well. Yeah, and doing some research because I've been having a hard time finding the, the you know, I like the things you like and then they change the style. I know, what did they and do so, that? And <laughs> so trying to find this pair of boots, I was doing some research online and people were talking about, you know, sorry Justin Boots, but people were talking about what's going on with the quality of these. These lasted, you know, for my husband for years and years. I was reading one article mm -hmm. and now it fell apart in one season. Yeah. And so just... That's, yeah. that's real. It's we're really starting true. to see. Yeah. I think people are struggling with costs all the way around. So. Well, it, it, we're in, in inflation is here to stay. I don't think that's going away, and so we're all going to be feeling it and go yeah. plan accordingly. And yeah. certainly in this area. Right. So, so okay. So let's dive into this. And where where do we spend the extra money? Like, what are the base things that are worth spending the extra money on, and what is it that we maybe can go a little cheaper on. Yeah. Well, I think there's a, to me, there's a couple areas. One, uh, some of the outdoor stuff that gets worked hard, mm -hmm. um, boots are one, you know, and you want them to last. And so that's an area where quality is really important to yeah. me. Um, and, and we use the muck boots. There's a few brands that are out there that are good. We like the mucks. We have tried all the knockoffs. And unfortunately, they're cheaper. They're not that much cheaper. And instead of getting through a season or through the growth cycle of a kid, in which I mean is, you know, you buy it for them and then hopefully it lasts at least till they grow out of it. Um, these things are falling apart and you end up buying two, three pairs yeah. for the same amount of time that a more quality pair of boots can last. Right. And so that's an area that, you know, we're hard on outside. We're in the barn, we're out, you know, we're just out in the dirt, we're doing stuff in and out of vehicles, machines, whatever, besides the little boys playing on the ground and climbing <laughs> trees and whatever they do. Um, and so shoes go fast. And so certain places we want to buy quality on those shoes and yeah. get them through the growth cycle and for our family because we do have a large family certainly hopefully get them passed down even mm -hmm. for something like that so that's one area right there is, is definitely the work shoes mm -hmm. i think maybe some of the other play shoes we go a little more middle ground on not 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 the more expensive yeah because um, they tend to last okay well and i think that's a really important point that we have different delineations of types of clothing in our household mm -hmm. we have you know, we do homeschool so the kids aren't having to go out to school all day and look all perfectly dialed in when they walk out the door in the morning. So we have work play clothes. And, um, you know, those, those have to be pretty rugged. They have to be pretty tough. They also are probably going to get stained and holy. Like, we just know what to expect out of those. And we get our miles out of them. We're we gonna, they're going to wear them stained yeah. and holy and <clears throat> use them until they grow out of them or until they're falling apart or just useless. Yeah. 
Yeah, or until Mama just says, you yeah. got to throw that in the trash. It's a wreck. <laughs> yeah. Turn it into a rag. Um, but then we also have what we call town clothes. And those are the clothes that we set aside. We make sure that they're in good shape. We, you know, keep them nice. But it also means those clothing items are getting less heavy wear. So we can go a little cheaper on those. That sounds a little counterintuitive maybe, like the, the nicer clothes, the nicer looking clothes are the clothes we can be a little cheaper on. Mm -hmm. They're just not getting the tough wear and tear. So as long as you keep those set aside and don't let those, don't let the kids come home from church and go out and play in the yard mm -hmm. in those clothes, yeah. um, then you can get a long ways getting cheaper clothes for those items and then focusing on just your boots Jackets are another one. Jackets, and, and jackets. jackets are a good one. And we, yeah. we use a lot of Carhartt clothing. And you were asking about brands. That's one that, that I love generally. It doesn't serve all our needs, but they do pretty good. They're made well. They're not crazy expensive, but you know, but they're you know, there's there's a, a value, there's a cost, real cost to them. But the jackets, we've got jackets that we've passed down every single child, every single child they're now you know, on their tenth child, yeah, and they're still working. Yeah, and there, there's <laughs> an area in there in that young teenage where they start to get a little harder on them. They can actually work more, they're out more, and that gets a little tougher. Yeah. Um, but then there's an area they get past that and they kind of stop growing now. And like I've got a couple of the olders where I don't feel like I've had to buy a jacket for a few years. Yeah. Where the older ones usually they're growing, so you're having to buy them one every year, try mm -hmm. to pass it down. Now they're holding on to their stuff. So yeah. so the jackets, the outerwear is is a big one that's worth the value. Um, you want to be warm. You want to be comfortable. You know and safe. You know when you're out there working, and you want it to last. Mm -hmm. So. The the other one on the homestead for me is pants for especially mm -hmm. for being outside. You're just you know whether you're gardening or you're with the animals, you're bending, you're on your knees, you're moving, you're working. Um, having good quality pants that don't get holy all the time um, is really really helpful. But they're really hard to find, especially for the kids' clothing. Again, for us, we often find the Carhartt heavier duty work pants work pretty well. They are not as cheap, but they will last twice as long as your average pair of cheap kid jeans. And that's easy for us. I mean, I don't want to make Carhartt the all go to. No. We, we go to it because we already have other things that we like and they've worked well for us. Um, you know, but I know like in our area, a lot of people like the Dickies, they seem to work mm -hmm. well. There are, you know, pants out there that work well. And so, you know, it, it you'll, you'll find your, your place where you find something that's the quality and the price point that you'll like. Right. Um, it just happens to be Carhartt for us for a lot yeah. of these things. Yeah. So obviously if you're able to go to the thrift stores. Well, that's you know? the first place. And you know, Carolyn and I are very different. And and um, Carolyn has been great at thrift store shopping, at finding the deals and not, you know, needing whatever school or whatever just even, you know, looks the way we'd like to look. Sometimes it's there, it fits and and it's cheap and that is great. I'm a little more like I want the good quality. I'm, I'm I'll take one thing. And instead of three pairs of pants, I'll take the one pair of pants that I want. And I've been like that since I was a kid. But it makes a good mm -hmm. dynamic. And I'm sorry, i got a sneeze coming on. <laughs> uh, so you might have to pick this up. Between the oh, two no. of us, see if I can just pick up where we left off. Right. Between the two of us is we Ooh. balance each other out in that idea of <coughs> quality, bless Excuse you, me. versus, you know, quantity and accessibility and a cheaper 
format. So, yeah. And so we found a real good equilibrium where she's often going first, looking for the deals. And so while we're talking about some of these name brands and getting the quality things, she's almost always looking first because even at the thrift store, sometimes you can find a car. I've got a, a work Pendleton. Mm -hmm. Today, it would probably be a $300 jacket. She yep. got, you know, it's a, it's a flannel, wool flannel. She got it for $20. I've been yeah. using that for five years, and mm -hmm. it's my main chore jacket, and I love it. Yeah. So we're still, even when we're looking for quality, or she is, she's much better at that <laughs> than I am, going to the thrift store um, or the consignments and looking through all that before going and doing, you know, the shopping for new stuff. That That's, that's always a part of the deal, yeah. and you've done so well at that. Right. That, well... It gets to be a chore though when you have so many kids and you have so many pieces of clothing that you're looking for. So my top tip for going thrift store shopping is go with a list of what you're needing. Um, and that comes from that clothing switch. We talked about that a few weeks ago, how much I don't like that. And But how I keep a chart of what everybody has and what everybody needs. And so they have, you know, you get maybe three play work outfits. You get a really nice um, church type of outfit for like really kind of looking really nice, but you're going to go probably sit still and not be real active. We'd use that for nice dinner out with the kids or something along those lines too. Um, and then you get what I call a town play outfit where, Hey, we're going to go to a play date with friends. We're going to go to somebody's house. We're going to go, you know, do something like that. And that's kind of the outfits you get. Mm -hmm. for a season until you're a teenager a teenager I let them you know as long as they're taking care of their own clothing and picking it up off the floor they can have a little bit more and a little more options but in the younger ages we keep it to that dialed in amount that keeps the laundry down it also keeps the clothing manageable to where you know what piece you have to replace and that's really really helpful um, so when you come to that seasonal time where you're like, okay, we got to think about clothing, you take stock of what they have, what they need to fill in all of those categories, and then you take that list complete with sizes and go to the thrift store. So you're not just randomly like, oh, this looks nice. Oh, this looks nice. It becomes a, what do you actually need? You know, yeah. we're looking for you know, what's the classic boys jeans size eight, right? Nobody ever has those in the thrift store because boys they fall apart. at that age beat them up and they fall mm -hmm. apart anyways. But, you know, at least you have your list of things that you're going to look for and you start there looking for those cheaper options. Then, and then, then you go to yeah. the new store, you go online yeah. and look for the new stuff. That That's really the budget program. That's putting all those strategies together mm -hmm. is really what helps balance that affordability that this person was talking about along with quality and making it all work. Right. Um, if you just go cheap, cheap is cheap. And you know, I, I, homesteaders have a mentality about wanting cheap and I think we have to break out being cheap versus um, you know, being affordable or, or buying value. Right. Cheap's just cheap. If, if the mentality is cheap, you're going to get cheap. It's going to fall apart. You're going to spend more time replacing it, running around, having problems. Mm -hmm. And so we, we want to find that balance. Yeah. And I think Absolutely. one other piece of that is something you were mentioning earlier before we got on. And that is about, um, planning and saving. Yeah. Something we did a long time ago, you came up with this idea and it is to best been so helpful for our household is that we created a annual budget for clothing looking at the realistic numbers you know really what do we need what do we think we need for this and then every month we have an automatic withdrawal in our bank account that goes to a clothing savings account 
So that means that money's coming right out. It's sitting in its spot and it's there for us kind of accruing as, you know, until we need mm -hmm. it, until we have that clothing swap day. This, we actually start doing this with a lot of our accounts to set money aside. If you're having a hard time, you know, in springtime and all of a sudden you have this garden seed purchase that you maybe didn't plan for, think about implementing some form of this. Um, but the same is true for that clothing. It's just there when you need it. And then you know, this is how much I have to spend. And I need to make this work within this amount of mm -hmm. money. And sometimes that means, yeah, you're sacrificing a little bit of the quality. Sometimes it means you need to drive a couple towns over to go to the good thrift store or a couple of good thrift stores yeah. and take a day running around trying to find things. I know that's a pain, but it ends up getting you working within your budget in, you know, for those clothing items and sometimes at those thrift stores you can find really good quality items which is really what you want to look for the other part of all of this is that thing that i hate doing is keeping the the cast off or the grown out of clothes organized and passing them down mm -hmm. um and and coming up with a system organizational system for getting that on to the next child yeah. so. i want to go back just to the savings though oh, yeah. because part of what makes that doable and the budgeting is figuring out i mean you, you obviously have you, you can spend so much you just whatever right. your budget is you have you have to figure out what what can you spend on clothing and then balance that with a per person cost it's got to be realistic mm -hmm. as well so we look at each person okay what can we budget all right so we have a, an amount for each person that's relative to their age and right. you know area some little people you can often spend younger on you little people you can spend a little more on um, but we have that budgeted out and then that's going to that savings account yeah. in that way. So we know when you go to shop, okay, you've got um, not just so much overall, but you've got kind of so much per person right. uh, to, to then apply all this strategy to. And that works really well. And like Carolyn said, we do that on many things. Mm -hmm. We actually have individual savings accounts. But the bankers kind of laugh, but they really like it. They get yeah. it. Because instead of just having a budget on paper and letting it all go into one account, and then uh, stuff happens. Money flies away. Um, when they go into those separate accounts, they're there and they're ready when we need it. We're not worried about it. You know, yeah. it doesn't come out of an emergency or whatever. Yeah. So super helpful. Very good. Well, good. I want to touch one more time on just what you were talking about, about the quality mm -hmm. versus quantity. And I think we really need to be aware of the times that we're walking into. We got an email from somebody else today who is saying, you know, um, the, the items on the grocery store shelf are quickly dwindling in their area. Supply is going to be a real issue coming up here in the next year, maybe it, beyond. Well, and let me just emphasize that real quick, not mm -hmm. to interrupt, but this is not going away, you guys. Um, just if you dig into some of the manufacturing realities, the transportation realities, mm -hmm. the, the stuff that you're seeing on the news and the shipping containers off the coast of California and all this different stuff, it's systemic and it's deep. Yeah. And so we're in a new reality that there's going to be ups and downs, not like everything's just going to disappear, but there's right. going to be ups and downs in supply chain along with cost issues. And, yeah. and it's it's here to stay. you got to not think like we're going to get over this next year. Right. It's, it's not going away in the foreseeable future. Right. And so I think this is really a great time for us to step back from the way we're used to kind of doing business and look at let's prioritize quant quality and local production. And so, you know, that's hard. It costs more money. It costs a ton more money to pay for something that's USA grown and created. We're looking at um, some amazing sheets we've fallen in love with. 
And you know, that costs more money when you're not, when you're actually paying somebody a fair living wage to do the work. U.S. grown and made. U.S. grown and made. made. Yeah. Um, but it's time to take that step back because you pay more now, but that means you're not going to pay over and over again. And so I'm really hoping that this is going to be the supply chain issues are going to be a real plus for us in the long run because it's going to make us stop buying all the cheap junk. It just, we got to stop. We got to not do that. We need to step back and think, gee, this is, you know, this canner is, yeah, twice the cost of the cheaper canner, but I'm going to be able to pass this down to my children. And, well, you know, really focusing on that as the main issue of, you know, let, let's go to quantity. You look back at some of the old um, sayings and for clothing, and this is an old Amish saying that I learned, one for wash, one for wear, one for Sunday, and one for spare. Okay. Four things, four items of clothing, outfits for the entire week. For, yeah. For, for everything. That's everything. And so, you know, maybe let's back off the quantity and let's start focusing on the quality. And hopefully you can find some of that thrift well, store and, to make the cost work out. And then <laughs> what actually makes the cost work out is taking care of those things. Yeah. Buying the quality that will last and then taking care of it. And we're losing that in this generation of throwaway. Things are cheap and just... You know, some there's a mentality where people quit taking good care of stuff, and in some ways it's just because it's cheap and it falls apart anyways, and right. so you're just, just throwing it away and getting <laughs> yeah. another one. We're buying stuff more often, and so with that strategy, we need to take care of them. The whole clothing thing that you were mm -hmm. talking about and having the Sunday clothes and everything, that helps us take care of the things and make them last much longer, and then you can deal with the stuff that you wear out, and it's the same with appliances, it's the same with everything. We've got to have the mentality to take better care of what we have, that's going to make that thing last longer and, and actually while you're paying more for it at once you're not buying you know three of it over the lifetime of that one thing or four right. or whatever and that that makes a huge difference yeah no yeah cool well so there you have it yeah. you guys said no magic ticket that says here's where you go to get cheap clothes you, you just, that you, are good yeah. quality but oh and i did want to mention she did talk about yeah. modest women's well, you, clothing you had a, yeah you did have a source yeah, for um, I, skirts and things i do it is so hard to find good quality um longer especially skirts for girls mm -hmm. um and there is a family-owned business out of texas and i believe it's called ringer it's classicclothes.com, if I've got that right in my memory. I will look it up. I will get you guys the link below. I have purchased skirts for myself and for the girls um, and dresses, and they even do some custom sewing uh, for years from this company, and I love what they do, and I love supporting them. So anyways, there's cool. I can't say it's cheap. It's not cheap, but it is good quality, and it does last a long time. Right so. on. Okay. Well, hey, we hope that has been helpful. We're going to miss you next week as we are taking some time to plan. But uh, we should catch back up the week after that. So uh, it's been great hanging with you guys, and we will see you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.